At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 711th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Greg Peterson coming to you from what Janice calls Urban Farm East. And I am here with... I'm Janice Farm. Janice Farm. I'm Janice Norton. <laughs> we're, both, we're both climbing under the bus today. Right. I'm Janice Norton. I'm basically Urban Farm West. And I am the person that is behind the scenes for a lot of what Greg Peterson does. But today we've got a very special person with us. Another one of our teammates who has been working with us for a few months. And you might be seeing... Actually, if any of you are watching our social media, you are probably interacting with her. This yeah. is Doreen. Tell us a little, little bit about yourself, Doreen. Hello, Doreen. Hi, thanks, Janice and Greg. Well, I've known Greg for well over a dozen years, and it's exciting to be here live with him. I'm a master gardener by training and love to get out there and play in the garden, and I love sharing what I learned with everybody. So I'm hoping that you learned something from me on what kind of things you can get from your garden and use them as gifts. Nice. Well, you just did it for Greg. Greg was going to give us a little run-in and talk about our Boom. class. Boom. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Go for it, Greg. All right. The holidays are just around the corner, and we all love to share gifts from our heart with our friends and family. Join us as we share our ideas for some cool gardening gifts and for the garden, both from and for the garden, it says. There we go. This is sure to be an inspiration-filled class. And, you know, you said something earlier before we got on, Doreen, is you said something like everything can be a gift from our garden. That's right. Everything can be a gift from our garden. Even your compost can be a gift to somebody. Yeah. Oh. Think about someone who's, think about your friends who are true gardeners, right? They'll take anything, right? They'll take a bag of leaves from you if you've got them. <laughs> oh, yes, I would. In fact, yes, I used to I do that at the, at the urban farm. I used to do that. I trained my neighbors to rake their leaves and bring them to me. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So I think it was just how we look at things. You know, I think sometimes we think we have to be used to things coming in a square box with a red bow on it, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. why, not some, why not some twine around a burlap bag? Filled with compost, but that's a little <laughs> bit too extreme, you know, but I'm just you know, saying, there, I think everything there, can be. That's true. And there are many gardeners who would truly appreciate some good organic compost more than a gift card to the local movie theater or whatever else ends up going out there. It's like, if you're not sure what to give, think about with another gardener. Yeah. Think about when you get a bouquet of something, right? Why not a bouquet of herbs? Oh, yeah. What a great hostess gift. 
Go you cut know, some herbs from your herb garden, wrap them up with some twine and give them to your host. Or I, collect, I collect so dang many seeds from my garden. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And you know, we have a great article on our website called Dehydrating Your Herbs. This is done by our the wife of Raymond Jess. Stephanie Ooh. did a great article. This is, that's a couple of years old. It's from 2017, but it's still a great article. It talks about how you can dehydrate some of the herbs that you have. And she goes through the steps and gives great examples and some very oh, beautiful pictures of what she did. She talked about why you need to do it, how to do that properly and how to store them. It was a really great article. So I'm going to put that link. We'll put the link in the podcast show notes when this podcast, when this episode gets released as a podcast in about a month, we'll have some of these links in the show notes. But for those of you who are here tonight, you get all the live links. Yeah. So. Think about that. When you dehydrate your own herbs, you can make your own herbs de Provence or whatever right. other herbs, your favorite combination, right? Some seasoning for your roasted vegetables, or if you're a meat eater, seasoning for your favorite roast, your favorite chicken, whatever it could be, you could put that combination together. You don't have to go out and buy that already. You've got your own herbs. And you know, if you've got old spice jars or small jelly jars or all, there's so many different jars, you can start putting some herbs in a jar and top it with a colorful splash of a fabric, maybe holiday oriented, throw a beautiful ribbon around it. And you've got a really great idea, especially if you attach to the ribbon, a recipe. Yes. Oh, that's a great idea, Janice, especially if it's your favorite recipe, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think we think the days of recipe exchanges are gone, but I mean, uh -uh. I would love to know what your favorite recipe is and try to make it, you know? I did not do it this year. Last year, I had a great peach harvest and good time. I had a lot of time this last year that I didn't have this year, and I made bourbon peach jam. Oh, it was so good. Did you put and thyme in it? Thyme? No, oh, bourbon. Bourbon. Bourbon, oh peach bourbon jam. It was so yummy. And what I had ended up using it on, which was one of my most favorite recipes, was I baked my chicken with it on top of it. So oh, I... nice. Oh, yum. Or and roasted then, pork chops, too, would be good. Yes, yes. And... Any for any small piece of meat in the in baking with that jam on it was just to to die for, and so I made a little recipe card to live for, to yum for, to 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 salivate over, and I just put a little for. I put a, a recipe card on it on how to do a baked chicken with this on it, and so that's what I did with my jam. Donna said, "Just in time for dinner, her mouth is watering." <laughs> Here's the interesting thing about herbs, though, they grow like weeds. I bought in 2004, I bought a four inch potted oregano plant from the nursery and I planted it in the front bed of the urban farm and it grew to be two foot by two foot and outgrew mm -hmm. the bed. So I dug it up and I moved it over to the north, uh, the south bed, south of my driveway. And when I left there, it had to have been a hundred square feet, 10 by, easily it was 10 by 10 for oregano. And the rosemary grew like that at the urban farm. Oh, Parsley yeah. grew wild in my yard every year. I have yeah. one garden bed completely dedicated to basil. Oh, there you go. 
Herbs are the most expensive thing that you can buy in the grocery store and the easiest thing to grow. If you have a bay bush, a laurel bay bush, oh, yeah. those leaves, you could dry them and you could sell those jars. Because if you've seen how much bay leaves are in the store, yeah. they're yeah. 16, 18, 20 bucks a jar. Yeah, And you could do that. That's a really good gift. And that's just mm -hmm. for a jar of maybe eight or 10, maybe 15 leaves. You pack a little jar in there with 20 or 40 leaves and you've got a really valuable gift, especially for a cook. Right. Yeah. Last year, my neighbor gave me some bay leaves and she also gave me, which I'm replicating this year. She gave me rosemary salt. Oh, you so have some recipes. Yeah. So she just took regular sea salt. So chunky sea salt. She gave them, and you know, those little plastic containers you might get when you have to go and it might have a sauce or. A, oh yeah. Yeah. She, she used those. So she probably just cleaned them up and, you know, yep. reused so you them. You can but, buy those but, at little stores. Yeah. I, you can probably get them at a restaurant supply store. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, she just used fresh rosemary that she chopped up coarsely infused it so she put it with the sea salt and she must have let the let it sit for a while so the flavors could melt and I got mm -hmm. that little container and I happened to have an old salt grinder from some salt I had bought from a store because I don't yep. throw anything away and now okay. I freshly grind my own rosemary salt when I'm cooking well and when you're doing that when you're grinding it fresh like that it brings out more of the oils even if it's yes. dry yeah the essential oils Mm -hmm. yeah at least when they get when that gets crushed and so that grinding is the crushing for that. that's right greg yeah and when you have the salt with the rosemary that flavor just fresh oh well yum. think about this who loves a lavender lemonade what if you mm. made because you can find recipes for this easily lavender infused mm -hmm. sugar right i janice you've done you've done that with vanilla before because heidi was just using some of your Vanilla, vanilla sugar infused sugar just the other day my husband and i made homemade vanilla which didn't come from my garden so even though we've done this before we didn't i wasn't planning on talking about it because it's not something from my garden but we did buy vanilla beans back when they weren't like ridiculously expensive yeah. Mm -hmm. And we steeped them in alcohol and made it. But then when you take the vanilla bean out and it's all done, you can stick it in jars of sugar and then the sugar take the the vanilla out of it. And that's it's quite a, a nice chunk to something like when you're trying to do a, a, a coffee or when you're baking, that vanilla in the sugar really helps. Oh, Jewel has a great question. How do you harvest lavender in order to use it for lemonade? I have used the lavender buds the flower buds because mm -hmm. I like the color in it and I use them when they're fresh. So if you, Greg mentioned this earlier, when you using the fresh petals of a herb or the fresh flowers of something to scent something, you want them fresh because that's where the essential oils are. Often when mm -hmm. things dry, the essential oils have dissipated and, and aren't there anymore. Well, that makes so sense I, because the oils are volatile. They'll, they'll disappear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you might want to strain them if you don't want to have them in there. You know, lavender is something that if there is a, a few pieces of lavender and something, if it's, it's all edible. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get sick on it. So if it was floating in my lemonade, I wouldn't mind. But if you wanted to, you could strain it out. You could, you know, use some kind of way for to, to get those pieces out. But I don't think you need to. And it's in a sugar. It's you know, you can't really strain the sugar, but if you're going to do something like a vinegar, you could use, you can strain it, but 
you shared with us some of your ideas on making herbal vinegars. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so herbal vinegars are fun to make because you can use them in the kitchen from everything from dressings to even desserts. I mean, if you get the right kind of vinegar mm-hmm. in and you can make cleaning supplies, right? Who doesn't like homemade? I like homemade cleaning supplies because it actually is a little bit cheaper and they're easier on the environment too. But one of the things to remember when you're work, working with vinegars or you're with oils or any of the foods, you want to sterilize your containers if you can. Sometimes it's just, you know, in a hot boil. So when Janice was talking about some little jars, et cetera, make sure that the lids are sterilized too. Just make sure you're nice and clean for your friends and family. And if you're going to make, be using Making vinegar, sometimes cheesecloth or muslin is good to have to strain the the bits out of the vinegar. But if you'd like to have those pieces in there because they look pretty, let your friends and family know that it doesn't last forever. You know, often when we think of vinegar, we might have vinegar in our cabinets that has a really long shelf life. But when Mm. we start to put in fresh elements like a sticker rosemary or some other herbs, it changes the whole scent because those, although they're that vinegar will somehow, that acidity will somehow preserve them. It doesn't preserve them like when they come from the store. So just, just know that you might want to let your friends know to use those within a couple months, but you can think about there's so many vinegars. There's champagne vinegar. It's very mild and it's good for any of the delicate kinds of herbs. Mm-hmm. And then you've got apple cider vinegar which is good for the stronger flavored herbs and spices. You can use distilled white vinegar for your cleaning products. It's inexpensive. Got malt vinegars as well. Well, mainly we use those for pickling or for making, for mustard of making. Rice vinegar is good with our delicate herbs. Sherry vinegar is made from the sherry wines. It's already very aromatic and it really is nice for making salad dressings. And of course, there's the wine vinegars as well. And those can are, are more on the delicate side. The white's delicate, the red's more robust. So some of those might fall in better for salad dressings versus cleaning versus other kinds of seasoning. We are going to put us some, actually, you know what? I think we're going to have Doreen write up some of this and put it as a yeah. blog article on our page. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'd be great. I, think I just right. assigned it to her. <laughs> That's okay. I can take that on. You know, Remind- who doesn't like lemon balm or lemongrass or lemon verbena? They make so they make such good teas, mm-hmm. but they're also great infused in champagne vinegar for a very light salad dressing that you can mix with your favorite oil. Oh wow. Doreen, so- these are great ideas. They're never so ending, they, aren't you? So well, Ramon has a question. Herbal vinegars. I bought pumpkin vinegar at Trader Joe's. Think it could be used with fresh rosemary? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about those two flavors together, but you know what might be good with that? Do you have a little bit of some star it's anise? trying. Cloves. Yeah. Ooh, star yeah. anise and gr- cloves. Then, then, then he goes on and says, how much herb per quantity of vinegar? How long do I let it steep before taking it out? I guess you don't take it out, do you? You don't have to. So if you're using dried, you use about a half a cup of dried leaves for every two cups of vinegar. Oh, okay, cool. And if you're using fresh, you use more, use one cup of fresh to every cup of vinegar. So think about that. Think about that. If you think, if you're visual like I am, you think about a cup of fresh herbs, it's quite a bit, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't have to pack it down with a 
pestle or a mortar, but you just want to make sure that the it's not too too light and fluffy in there. But then you pour two cups of vinegar on that. You've got a lot that you need to let it infuse for a while. So if you let it infuse for a while, so you start this process now for gift giving in about 30 days, you can sample it to see if you want to either add more vinegar because it's too strong or if you need to add more herbs. So you could be the taste tester as you go along too. But that's typically what the ratio is. Half a cup of dried to two cups of vinegar or one cup fresh to two cups. I'm thinking that one way that you could maybe test to see if the recipe would work would be to take a, a sampling of your herb if you have dried, you just crush it up. And if you have, and I'm thinking crush it because you want to release the flavors. If it's fresh, chop it up so that you're, but chop it, crush it. You know what I mean? Where When you're crushing it, you're just chopping it so much that you're just kind of, you're breaking the cells and put that in the vinegar and let it sit for a couple of days. And then, then you can taste it and you'll have a, a mild version. And I'm thinking maybe like a shot glass of vinegar with some of this in, and you might have a mild version to see how the flavors might work. That way you don't put a whole big batch and it's just, could, it's just yeah, taste so testing. We'll put the entire directions in the blog post because there are mm -hmm. several steps and, you know, should it be warm vinegar or room temperature or cold vinegar? You know, so there's a lot of things we want to look at and we'll put all that in the blog. I what? love this. In fact, Doreen, I am probably going to peg you for several blogs with everything that you gave us over the weekend to be looking at. <laughs> okay. And uh, there's a, another question here. What about citrus rind and white vinegar for cleaning? How long do you steep that before straining? I don't have an answer on that one, but I bet we could find out. Yeah. Or just experiment I, with it. Just, you know. I've seen a lot of recipes on TikTok. I'm a TikTok person mostly. I've seen a lot of recipes on TikTok using the white vinegar and the citrus rinds like lemon or orange and use them for cleaning. So there's some yep. good recipes out there. Nice. Yeah, there are. I have a whole book on all that. It's been, it's, I love using it because it makes me feel like, you know, I'm not wasting. First of all, I can use it, mix it up in a jar, a ball jar I've got laying around and who doesn't have one or two ball jars laying right? around? <laughs> yeah, Anybody yeah. in this group? Probably. I got yeah. laughed at by multiple people as I packed 15 boxes of jars that I brought with me to, to uh, Asheville when I moved. Before hey. I got into canning, before I knew the value of it, I helped my sister clean in her house and um, she had boxes and boxes of ball jars mm -hmm. and she was getting ready to get rid of them because she wasn't doing anything. And she goes, you sure you don't want them? I said, I'll never use these. No. Oh, if only I can go back in time. If only go back in time. Donna you know, said you can't have too many canning jars. I've learned that. I've learned that. I was once, not too long ago, a very naive person. You know, the other jar that I love is uh, Bubby's sauerkraut jars. They're straight up and about this tall. They got the wide mouth. And they got a wide mouth yes. on them. And yeah, I have I Bubby's it. jars from 15 years ago that I still use. You know, Alicia Rose just popped a question in that I think would be really good based on one of the recipes that you gave us, Doreen. She says, I love dried basil in tomato sauce for pasta. Any thoughts? Mm. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. I yes. thought, yeah. Heck I yeah. Think, I think you can do a couple of things with that. Uh, Alicia, if you have the tomatoes, you can make your own tomato sauce. 
You can can your own tomato sauce. That's one recipe. Uh, Raymond, who's not uh, feeling well today, his wife does that. And she makes tomato jars, got some sauce in their pasta, in their you know, and, pantry. And one of the things you can do if you have the herbs, but not the tomatoes, check out the farmer's markets and any tomato growers that are growing there. A few years ago in Phoenix, I bought a couple of cases of seconds, tomatoes that weren't perfect. And they were inexpensive, and I took them home and made tomato sauce out of them. There you go. They're reclamation. They have those distributions, 60 uh, 60 pounds of um, produce for $15. And a lot of it is also on its last leg because, you know, it just was not suited to be sold, but it's suitable to be eaten, and it makes great pasta sauce. Yeah. Or what you can do is just make a, if all you have is herbs, you can make a collection of dried herbs that go yes. well together. Your, your, your pasta herbs, uh, Doreen yeah. has a collection here. She says for tossing into sauces, you can put basil, oregano, thyme, garlic. She's got, and a bay leaf. She's got a recipe. You can put all of that together in a jar and have your, your sauce, your spice mix, you know? Right. Just, yeah. I love, just, I love this. And we do this too. Jules says I save all my glass spice containers from the store for using with other spices for shaking on oh, yeah. food. I do oh, too. Yeah. Save them and uh, fill them with herbs from your, we used to give away uh, urban farm herbs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing that with basil this year. I am well packed with basil. Nice. Let's move on to something else that's kind of fun to make with herbs. And that is pesto. Uh, so most of us know <laughs> about basil pesto, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Has anybody ever made cilantro pesto? Yes. Raymond has. It's yes. good, isn't it? How about kale pesto? Oh, the I'm nice. It was good. The nice yeah. thing about pesto is pesto is just a paste. It's an herb paste. You can make it with anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you can jar it or you can freeze it. Freeze it. In ice cube trays. Yes. Oh. And then you can have bring it out when you need it. There you go, Jewel. We got you thinking, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> what you can also do is if somebody is a cook, you can get you can get those flexible cooking stuff. Silicone. Thank you. Silicone ice trays. And you can give uh, that with some herbs and say, here, well, you can make your own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or herbed butter. You can oh, make herbed butter by chopping up different herbs, mixing it into your butter and letting it chill and wrapping it up. And I did that last Christmas. Oh, chill. I did that last year with a recipe card. This is a good butter for for making garlic bread. This was a good butter for, for, I I don't know, I had like nine or 10 different ones. That was fun. Rosemary butter. Yes. Yes. And then you can go to the farmer's market and buy some fresh bread, the fresh mm, local bread to go with it. What a lovely gift. Another thing that you can do is if somebody is into gardening and they're not sure what they're wanting to do, you can give them, you can give them, but they like baking, a grain bundle from the Great American Seed Up. Oh, I love that idea. There you go. A grain bundle from the Great American Seed Up. It is six different grains in a quantity that can be used to, you know, plant a great garden. And there's some really yummy garden, you know, options there. Actually, Pretty much most of the things in the Great American Seed Up would be a fabulous gift for more than one person. Here's what you do. You go get yourself a Seed Up in the Box bundle, the basic bundle, the baker's bundle. There's there's like six of them right now. 
go get one of those and then sit at home, divide them up into portions. And now you've got about 10 different gifts. And then you throw that in a basket and you put in some gardening tools or, you know, a pair of uh, gardening gloves and, and, or recipe book. And there you've got some gifts too. I love that idea, Janice. Uh, Who, what gardener would love to get some seeds, especially great quality seeds. There's a new thing, Greg. Greg challenged me today to get something done. And he didn't think I was going to be able to do it because I came up with the suge- I came up with the suggestion like two hours ago, hour and a half ago, uh, and I did it anyways. We now have gift certificates available at the Great American Seed Up for about various purchases for Seed Up in a Box bundles. So I have a couple of questions about that. First of all, let me just I'll, I'll just give everybody a, a quick overview of what the Great American Seed Up is. We purchase tons of open pollinated seeds. And we put them in a great in a great big room and people can come and scoop up their own seeds by the scoop. It's really a seed bazaar, a seed bulk buy. And we do it once a year in Phoenix. And then we have something that we call our seed up in a box where you can actually get your own seed up. So my question for you, Doreen, is what did you think? This was your first seed up. What did you think? I feel like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> I, first of all, I was just in awe of the shapes and sizes of some of the seeds. I mean, I've been growing food for my own food by seed for a long time. And I, I love the beauty of putting a seed in the ground and seeing it sprout. Right. And by the way, my pak choy that I got and planted was up in seven days. Oh, nice. Wow, nice. Yeah. So, but it was so much fun. I loved the education that's there around on each card. I I loved being a helper and helping, you know, people either find stuff or answering questions, but the variety, it was the kid in the candy store. The, there was so much variety. I didn't know what, which ones to pick. It's a little bit. So, um, well, then you pick them all. Tempting to do. Well, true, true that. Yeah. But I love too, that you had the pollinators in the back. Oh my gosh. You thought of everything, not just here, grow your veggies, but also let's get some pollinators in to help things out. So I love that. Cool. Julie, you may have met me there. Yes. I was there all day on Saturday. She was walking around interviewing people. Oh oh, yeah. Very good. Awesome. Jewel says, Janice, where do you have your basil or herb garden planted in the direct sun? She's having difficulty with basil. Oh, my, I do not have a problem with basil. I have <laughs> my basil on a, in a wicking bed that sometimes I need to be oh, a little yeah. bit more attentive to, but I have a mm-hmm. wicking bed that is about two feet wide by about six feet long outside my kitchen window, which is exactly north facing. So I'm sorry, not north facing, south facing. It is on the south side of my house. And right now it is covered in basil flowers because I haven't gone out. If you trim the basil bush, Mm. which those basil flowers are great dried and aromatics, but if you trim the the flowers, then you'll get more leaves. And I have not been doing that. I've been working on other projects. So right now I am being a very good steward to my native bees. I've got so many bees loving basil bush right now. Right. Yeah. Janice, that's a good point. The flowering part of our herbs, you know, even though we're we're wanting to pinch those back so we can get more seed growth, but in a bouquet, having some other aromatic herbs yeah. that are flowered is just stunning. You know, yeah. just 
You have to just be flowers. You can put a few herbs in there too. And basil is so pretty because the flowers are white on most of the basil, but I also have thyme or, or Thai basil and those are purple. So this white and the purple together is just yeah. beautiful. We got two questions for you, Janice. Do you shade the basil during the summer? No. Probably partially shaded by the trees and stuff that you're growing. No? Okay. Not my else. The other thing is, what is a wicking bed? Debbie wants to know. Ah, we actually have articles on how to build a wicking bed at our website on our blog article. You can just go to the urbanfarm.org and look up a wicking bed. I will put a link in the show notes here in a minute. But it is basically a self-contained garden wherein the water goes in and there's a way of storing the water at the bottom and you water into the reservoir in the bottom and the water basically wicks up to the top where the roots need it. As long as you don't let it get too dry, the water wicking will continue to go from the bottom up to the roots. It is really, really useful in arid climates because mm. you don't lose as much water evaporating from the soil as you would elsewhere. So Raymond Jess, a beautiful partner of ours in the web and our much of what we do. He's one of our, our roadies, he likes to call himself. Mm -hmm. He wrote several little articles on how to build a wicking bed. And I've, I've built several with him, including mine. So it's a very useful. And, and Raymond is going to show you when you get here in town, he built a little miniature demonstration box of a wicking bed that really? is for like a tabletop size to explain how it works and, and everything. Oh, so he's going to have nice. that at the fruit tree program this uh, January so people can come by and see about it. Nice. So if you are local, you can check out the fruit tree program general store to come see Raymond's sample wicking bed. Cool. There's something we can do if you are local or if you have somebody who are local to the Phoenix area that you want to give a gift to or like encourage a little bit of a movement toward growing their own food, you can give them a gift certificate to the Urban Farm Fruit Tree Program. Oh, yeah, there you go. You can get those at store.urbanfarm.org. Jewel yeah. is asking for a local wicking bed class. We've done those before. We have. And now that Raymond has the uh, demonstration model, it'll be a little bit easier to explain. Yes, Jewel, Raymond is definitely willing to try and do that. Uh, he's He loves sharing about the wicking bed. We do have wicking bed topics in our podcast and our and mm -hmm. our blog for now we don't have any classes scheduled cool so, so much the abundance from our garden i've said this for decades that the only place that lack lives in this world is right here between our ears because when we look at the amount of abundance that we get out of our gardens i used to give citrus because citrus is prolific mm -hmm. you know this time of year it's a, it's a it's, uh, navel oranges Car, car navel and Washington navel oranges are prolific this time of year. And this is about the time we start harvesting them. I'm just going to say the fresh oranges are great too. But what if you did something really fancy and made candied orange slices? Mm. I made them one year with Liz. Oh my goodness. I don't remember the exact recipe. I'm happy to look it up and include it in my blog post. But you take citrus, especially if you've got, you know, of course, we're not growing sour, but if you have a sour tree laying around or in your neighbor's yard that you can get a few pieces from, mm -hmm. coat them with sugar, which I know isn't always the healthiest, but 
Those slices maybe, are really, really yummy. Maybe you can choose your flavored sugar too. Ooh, doesn't that sound <laughs> like some vanilla sugar? Yeah. Well, and you can even, de- you know, car used to dehydrate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why buy a package at the grocery store? They're expensive when you have your own. Right. Ramana says, bit off topic, car, car, first time mine is fruiting with four oranges. Woohoo. That's what I always say. Woohoo. How do I know when they're ready to harvest? Probably now. They're actually harvestable right as they start to turn from green to orange. I usually let them stay. Well, when I was harvesting them in Phoenix, I'd get them as early as I could. And uh, usually right around Thanksgiving week, I could uh, start harvesting them. If you want to wait for sure, wait another three weeks and uh, until they turn orange. And when they're orange, they're ready to go. I am right now gathering some wicking bed articles to put in the webinar chat here and we will add those links to the the show notes for this page. Um, we've got some great whip article uh, blog articles and a couple of podcasts. Yeah. Jewel says that explains why the rats have been eating them when I thought they weren't ready to eat. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, sneaky, yeah. sneaky guys. You know, yeah. it's so fun to to consider the people that you are wanting to give a gift to. I have a sweet lady down the street from me who is a grandmother and she does so much natural cooking. I mean, like so little preservatives in what she does, but you know, she's, she's Middle Eastern and she cooks her own dolmas. And she's the one that comes for your grape leaves. I give her my grape leaves. And so what I usually do is I make a bouquet of grape leaves and I hand them to her and then she will clean them and throw them in her freezer. So yeah. And did she bring any back to you? I had to, I had to harass her one time. Like, all right, come on, girl. You're going to have to share here. But no, she was so funny. She had just met, she freezes them until she's ready. And then when she's ready, she'll make a batch. And Uh, the last like three times that she did it, her family ate them before she had a chance to share (laughs) with me. (laughs) That means they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Who here likes to make holiday cookies? Who in our chat? Who are our guests? Who's the cookie monsters in our guests? (laughs) Yeah, oh, there. show of hands here. Heidi, Heidi just made some holiday cookies that included mesquite flour. Yes. From our milling this year. Yeah. And Heidi has those yummy mesquite balls too that she makes, right? Yep. Ramana, Uh-oh. yes. I do believe Uh-oh. we have the recipe for the, the mesquite cookies on our website. I will double check. If not, I will oh. harass Greg to put it up. Okay. Well, it's in the book, Eat Mesquite and More. Yeah. So... Oh, yes. I love that book. Yeah. Hey, Jewel, when you're making sugar cookies next, think about rosemary sugar on those cookies. You use it, you make a frosting, but what if you made, not rosemary, we can make rosemary sugar, but what if you made lavender sugar and topped your sugar cookies with that? Mm-hmm. It'd be great. I have two recipes that will get shared to you. One is for rosemary shortbread. It is to die for. What? So, yes. Ooh. Who would think about putting rosemary in shortbread, right? Oh, I or focaccia bread. If, I don't know if I said it that oh, right. Focaccia. focaccia. Thank you. <laughs> focaccia. There you go. We're but we knew what she meant. We, right. We knew exactly what she meant. <laughs> okay. Italian <laughs> is definitely not my first language. So Alicia, sorry. 
Alicia says, has anyone tried pickled grape leaves rolled in cooked rice? Ooh. I don't know. Oh, cornbread, Jewel. Right? That was Alicia. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rosemary cornbread from that would be good. Jewel says rosemary cornbread. Yay. Absolutely. You know what? If you all come up with something that is a great recipe or a, mm -hmm. or a gift and you're willing to share it with us, please send it in. Um, we'll write, we'll pretty it up and we'll give you full credit and we'll put it on our blog because this is, you know, recipes. I used to have recipes going in on our website a lot gotten a little distracted trying to do some changes in the business and Greg and I are, are kind of going solo a little bit more but yeah we'd love to have your recipes for items yeah what about what lemon basil, night. lemon what about basil butter cookies lemon wow. basil butter cookies yeah Greg Doreen can stay here for like two hours coming up with ideas <laughs> right <laughs> I love to eat what can I say yeah, there you go there you go all right, well, let's wrap this thing. We've got all kinds of recipes that are going to be up on the website. We talked a lot about herbs. If you want to buy, if you're in Phoenix and want to buy fruit trees for your loved ones, you can do that at store.urbanfarm.org. You can either buy a fruit tree or you can buy a gift certificate there. Yep, or exactly. you can buy and have shipped our foliar products. Oh, yes. Yeah, that you can. Plus... Plus, there's the seed up in a box from Great American Seed Up, and that makes a hugely great gift. In fact, we recently had a woman for her wedding. Oh, yeah. She bought a seed up in a box, which was 25 different varieties of seeds. And she, she and basically what you do with the seed up in a box is we give you the all the supplies that you need to make pack your own packets of seeds. That includes the seeds the Ziploc bag and the card. And so she, she used them as, as wedding gifts. Or not wedding gifts as um, wedding favors. Wedding, wedding favors. favors. Yes. Wedding favors. Yeah. yeah. So. That's so cool. Right. I love that. You know, yeah. the nicest thing about being friends with a gardener is you've got, you'll <laughs> usually end up getting a gift that comes from the heart. Uh, you mean the garden, right? <laughs> well, the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and any last thoughts doreen i i challenge everybody to look outside in your yard and figure out what you can use to make a gift for your favorite gardener yeah amen to that and please if you if you have a picture of something that you've done send it to us tag us on facebook you know post it on your facebook or your tiktok or your what else do we do instagram doreen yes. whatever we do post it there tag us and we would love to share it on our page because Doreen, Doreen does our social media. She's the one that manages all that for us. Thank God. I know. <laughs> uh, Ramana says, thank you. We're always so generous with our help. You bet. Yeah. It's, it's kind of how we are. It's like, this is what we have to be doing. So thank you, Doreen. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you yeah, bet. We did thank too. You, Thanks, Doreen. Janice and, uh, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. 
In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.